0: hello everybody welcome to another episode of find your model health the official podcast for those looking to optimize their long-term health and weight goals and understand how their body really works i'm very happy to have you all back with me for another piece of your day, and today I have the most amazing guest on to speak to us. But before we go on, I must remind you that the information in these podcast episodes is for informational purposes only and should not be taken. As medical advice, please consult your health practitioner before making any lifestyle changes. So, Today, we're gonna get into iodine, which is a somewhat controversial topic, but also confusing at the same time, I think, for many people. So our guest today is gonna kind of help to clarify some of that confusion and lift the mist, per se, around um, iodine. For the last few years, I've really been trying personally to, Um, try and understand iodine not just for myself but also for my clients and my followers Um, and not only its importance for health but also if there's any negatives that we should be aware of as well and on my search for information um, I came across this fabulous speaker called Lynn Barrow and I was really intrigued on what she had to say and she was a breath of fresh air when I listened to some of her interviews. I read her book um, and just went through her website and I was like, wow, there actually is someone out there that knows a lot about this. So today I'm really hoping that we can help to open many people's eyes to iodine and to help us understand its importance So today, help me welcome Lynn Farrow. She is director of Breast Cancer Choices, Inc., which is a nonprofit organization, and she is the author of Iodine Crisis Book, What You Don't Know About Iodine Can Wreck Your Life. She's an advocate for iodine, and she teaches medical and health practitioners and even the general public. Lynn is editor for iodineresearch.com, which I regularly refer to, and she is the director of Breast Cancer Choice. So Lynn, welcome. Thank you so much for spending some of your day with me. Um, I'm excited to get into this. And like I mentioned, there's a huge misconception around iodine, I believe, I think people we, we had a little conversation before we started recording. People are aware of it, but they're they maybe apprehensive of it. They're not quite sure how to use iodine, what's safe dosage and all. So hopefully we can get through all of that. So can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and what introduced you to iodine and what led you down this path?
1: Well, I was while I was researching breast cancer, after I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I was looking at different options. And a doctor I ran into at a medical conference said to me, Have you looked into iodine? And I thought, oh gosh, I've looked into absolutely everything. If iodine had any benefit to breast cancer, I would have heard about it by now.
0: Hmm.
1: Well, turns out I was flamingly wrong about that. It was one of those old iodine used to be, you know, very well used in, in, in all medical practices until it was sort of tromped out of the business um, yeah. yeah, years ago, but um, not not that many years ago, like in 1960. So anyway, I decided I would research iodine because this doctor suggested I, I should. And I thought, well, you know, I, I'm used to doing medical research. I'll spend two weeks if I could, if there's even that much out there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And after two weeks, I thought, oh, gosh, I'm only scratching the surface. I think I'm going to need two months. Well, the two months came and went, and I I still had lots more to do. I wound up getting old medical books, you know, on the internet and uh, used from eBay and stuff like that. And I found, I sort of discovered that there was a whole history of how iodine had been used. And I went back for 3,000 years to the Egyptians. And then I went back and I looked at the archaeology sites, and it turns out the seaweed was used as a medicine 30,000 years ago. Anyway, so... With that amount of information, I just took off with that. And I began, I contacted uh, Dr. Brownstein and Dr. Abraham and Dr. Fleschus that had started this very small uh, project of three doctors that were interested in trying to expose how iodine had been maligned by a a certain group of people in the the government here in, 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 in the States. And he sort of deconstructed all the prejudices against iodine and Dr. Abraham. And the other two doctors were sort of co-workers with him. Mm. So I, I got to meet them, read all their material, which is extensive and, and medical. And I was convinced that there had needed to be a book for the average person. Mm. And I tried to write, when I first told people I was writing a book for the average person on iodine, everybody just yawned and said, well, I, I, they would say they took iodized salt.
0: Yeah. And so I
1: thought, oh, I'm gonna really have trouble writing a book about this. So I knew I had to write the absolute most engaging book and the book that would convince people with evidence and pictures and 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 adding on many case studies of people that had had problems and had taken iodine and reversed their problems or had so much benefit that they felt they were helped by it. So that's how I got to to write the book. And phenomenally, it just sort of took off. I thought, well, you know, even if a thousand people buy this book or five thousand people, at least all the information about iodine is on the record. How it works, why it works, how it's been used for centuries. Mm-hmm. And and so at least it's on the record, and I could go on and write my next book. Well, it took off, you know. It's been translated into seven languages, mm-hmm. uh, including Arabic and Chinese and Polish and French. You know, just so I'm very very happy with that. And I yeah. hear from people every day about you know what's happened in their life, you know what what changed. So yeah. uh, that that's how I got into it.
0: Yeah, that that is quite an accomplishment and something to be proud of. And even as I say, as health professionals, um, even just helping one parent one person change their lives, it's worth it at that stage, even though you're influencing many, many lives. But if we can just change one person and then maybe they tell the next and the next and the next. So, and it is an awesome straight to the point book. I do think it's really easily digestible for most people to understand and you mentioned like you have to have a lot of people want to see the research to back it up otherwise they're going to kind of question your word and your book contains all of it and more. So, like you mentioned, um, iodine has been used in traditional medicine for a long time. Just as a side note in your research, can you point out any area or two where iodine has been used in ancient times?
1: Well, th- th- one of the most interesting is the Egyptians used used iodine as seaweed, different seaweeds. And it was yeah. even in, their, in, in, in those hieroglyphic scrolls that they have, the, the Ebers papyrus was translated into English uh, just in the last 20 years. And that's a papyrus that said, if you have breast cancer, put, wrap your breasts in seaweed. So that's that's three thousand years, so that that's phenomenal to 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 have that and and document that in the book. Yeah, but you know, it's even it's it, you know. In we tend to think in terms of the West, but you know, that there's just Indian traditions and other traditions that uh, that also find a way of using uh, seaweed. So, yeah. I die as seaweed.
0: Yeah. You had, and you mentioned breast cancer again there, you've had your own experience with breast cancer, which I'm sorry to hear about, but um, our our mess really does become our message and you wouldn't have been led down this road had that not happened. Um, but what, when you were doing your research, what did you recognize in regards to breast cancer and iodine, especially around the times where Iodine was reduced in our environment and maybe bromine was increased there.
1: Yes, one of the things that I found was I uh, contacted the uh, National Institutes of Health. They have a a, a statistical bureau that just does their statistics. And I I contacted the head of that. And I I, I knew how to go through the, the figures on their website because I had been invited down there. With some other activists to to learn how to use statistics that mm-hmm. the government you know we, we pay taxes for here. Yeah. So one of the things I found, I called him and I said, I need to know if I'm doing the math right in in from your charts. And I said, I I think tell me if I've gotten this right. Did did thyroid cancer go up 80 percent? I it's, I seemed to that was what I was deriving from my own math. And he said, No, you have to you have to Multiply it uh, times 100 after the 80 percent. Thyroid cancer has gone up 180 percent since the 1970s. Uh, you know, and Dr. K should know this kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. and he said to me, This is the PhD that, that runs the place, the seer it, it is the name of the uh, statistical division. Yeah. He said, We didn't even notice that, which I thought was funny that like some. <laughs> A civilian who just wandered in after just learning how to read studies and and charts for years. And I pointed out, and and he was floored. (laughs) And he wanted to know, you know, like, you know, what do do you think happened? Is there any explanation? If if it goes up five or 10%, they don't really pay attention. But if it goes up 180%, that's for men and women. So, and one of the things that has happened is that during the time between 1970 and 2000, the, they, there's a way that the government measures the nutrients we're getting. They just every 10 years they measure, and they mm-hmm. found that in measuring urine in in that time period, starting at 1970, the urinary uh, iodine went down 50%. Now that's that's a huge amount for a, a, an essential nutrient to go down in in the urine. So that tells you that, that people are consuming. If it if, if, if happens coming out in the urine, they're consuming half as much. Well, what happened in 1970 that started the statistical role? And what happened was one of the main things that happened was that uh, iodine was taken out of uh, bread and wheat. And like when my father grew up, he had bread for breakfast, he'd have it for lunch. So he would get at least a milligram of iodine just mm. every day minimum. And so that he, that was before 1970. Yeah. So then, so, but then, okay. So that's bad enough that just your intake, your normal intake that you would expect to get, uh, had diminished. But then yeah. bromine, which is a a chemical that's used as a fertilizer, a fire retardant, uh, a fumigant. You know, like like they fumigate uh, strawberries when they take them out of the ground. They preplant the bromide in the soil, and then when it, these, these strawberries are picked they spray them again okay. so it, so the bromide the, the, thing, the reason bromide is a is a problem is that it competes with iodine in the in the cells and the periodic table you see bromide and iodine uh or bromine and iodine are they're they compete with each other so yeah. if you if you one have less iodine in your food and two have bromide chasing what little iodine you have left out of your body you're competing with it this is this is the theory of the problem, mm-hmm. and one of the things that has been known for this is apart from this is the the other things is that iodine has been used as a breast treatment, which I didn't realize. Uh, and now it's it's there's even a, a pharmaceutical product that's uh, called Violet that's used yeah. for people that have a breast pain. Yeah. So so that's sort of routinely known, but it, there's not a whole lot of it. I mean, I know it because I'm in the business and they use they've lifted stuff from my book to use in their advertising copy. But um, so to answer your question, that's how my book is called The Iodine Crisis. Not because I'm exaggerating or trying to sell books, but this is a public health crisis. Yeah. And if you don't know about it like I didn't know about it. You could probably leave yourself open to certain diseases like especially thyroid and breast disease
0: which are probably the most prominent issues that many women are dealing with yes and um so as the iodine went down the bromine went up along with other environmental exposure of other toxins that can potentially have the displacement of iodine as well yes So in your book, um, you discuss how having a low and and I know you've told this story before, but it is quite amusing because as women, sometimes we get so caught up just trying to survive the day that we don't notice silly things like wearing our slippers out of the house or whatever. (laughs) Um, And you had given an antidote about you had left the house with a coat hanger still in your jacket. um, And it really kind of was emphasizing how having that iodine deficiency was actually impairing your daily functions, even to just think straight.
1: Well, brain fog is another thing that seems to be associated with iodine deficiency, not all brain fog, Mm -hmm. but I had been uh, teaching at, at a college and I was so tired uh, and I also I would be looking into space, and the students would be wondering what I was thinking. Yeah, so I had to leave my work as a, as a journalist because I could set my own hours. But it was really getting hard just to to drag myself there. And for several years, I took Darvaset, which is like a, a you know pretty powerful painkiller. it's it's not a narcotic, but yeah, uh, I've been taking it every day three times a day because I had headaches. I just started having them and then it was like once a week and then it was every single day. And so I saw so I had three things that, you know, the brain fog, the fatigue, and the headaches. The headaches were the most annoying, obviously, and, and inconveniencing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I decided, I was living in New York at the time and I lived near the subway. And I made an appointment with a very well-known doctor, an integrative health doctor. And I thought, I'm sure this guy can help me. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I was with when you have brain fog, you're always like remembering to do certain things. You'd have your keys, you have this, you lock your door, you go back and you check. Mm-hmm. And so the day I went to see this doctor, I, I primped like, you know, I put lipstick on. I you know, thought, looked in the mirror. I looked in a full length mirror before I left go out, past the doorman, up the street, down the whole of, of West 72nd Street. Nobody says anything to me. And then I get go to get down in the subway and I see like I have my fuzzy slippers on. <laughs> I, I don't know, I I'm in mean, like a, a nice outfit, you know, a nice yeah. jacket. I tried to look nice. Yeah. And so I had to turn around, go back past the doorman who says nothing, go back mm-hmm. in and put regular shoes on, and go back. It says I got... To the doctor's office now that i trekked down through the subway and back into the town manhattan again i got to the doctor's office and i went to the women's room probably put makeup on lipstick or something yeah and I, I walk out into the waiting room and this is elderly he must have been in his 80s he said miss you have a hanger in your jacket and i'm thinking oh god there's a dry cleaning tag i have on how embarrassing well it <laughs> wasn't a dry cleaning tag it was a big wooden hanger and somehow I'd put my jacket on and trek through New York City with this wooden hanger.
0: And so, you didn't even feel it.
1: No. I was concentrating on you know other things, I guess. Yeah. It's and just So a... I, thought, I was going to say that I, I mentioned this in the book. I said, well, the doctor's going to say, well, how, what do you mean by brain fog? And I said, <laughs> I have an answer. Here's, here's
0: my hanger. Yeah, look at this. <laughs> just just kind of is testament to how discombobulated we can get and that's the best word I think for me to use is that not only have you the brain fog but everything's almost a tizzy at that stage you think you're doing everything right and oh my god I look great and I'm ready for my appointments, <laughs> and oh <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah
1: I'd also on the way since you If you have brain fog, you always start out very early because you may get lost. Yeah, I I stopped to have lunch at a little diner on the way to the doctor's office, and I didn't have many money. (laughs) So the the poor waitress said to me, oh, you come back and pay us when you can. You can imagine this in the middle of New York City. Well, she
0: probably taught you were homeless or something (laughs) (laughs) with a co-hanger. She felt bad for you.
1: Yeah, I could see that she saw how flustered I was. So anyway, she felt sorry for me.
0: Yeah, well, well, at least there's a silver lining. You get a free lunch out of
1: it. Yeah, well, I had to go back. I went back and paid her, but um, of course, because she was so kind. But yeah. that's the kind of thing. I mean, that was just an average day.
0: Mm-hmm. For some people, that is their average day. I mean, like. The other day, I was looking for my keys and I was like, where are my keys? Where are my keys? And they were in my hand, but I can't blame the iodine because I've been using <laughs> iodine for ages. So I just I just blame that on being a mom. And But it happens to so many people a lot worse than that, like people leaving their house with their doors left open and just crazy stuff. Yes,
1: leaving the car running.
0: Mm,
1: that's, yeah that's something people have told me that their brain fog is, is or
0: the that those shall we say horrific stories of people new moms forgetting their babies in stores as well
1: <laughs> i'm sure so, you know no. they blame the moms but you know you have so much on your mind and you're so tired
0: and you're iodine deficient as well <laughs> yes that's right
1: especially after having a baby because a so, baby takes the lion's share of your iodine.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, we're going to get to that. But I wanted to then know. So then once you, you came across the iodine information and then you said, OK, I'm going to try this myself. What what then happened? How did your experience change? Like you obviously stopped bringing coat hangers out with you. But what else happened? Yeah.
1: Well, a lot of things. Well, I was taking it. Mainly because of the breast cancer, that was my concern. Though I had had the hypothyroid diagnosis on and off mm. over the years, but the, the thyroid medicine never helped at all. It never, you know, it might, might maybe a little speedy for the first day, but it never really worked. But yeah. what did work? The first day I took the pill, I took 50 milligrams, which is like this is not after not taking any for any iodine for a long time and within an hour and a half, I was taking the iodine loading test, which is the test you take to measure the amount of iodine in, in your urine, mm. you take it over 24 hours, so I got up in the morning, took 50 milligrams, just expecting to be, it to be an ordinary day, and an hour and a half, I got with other people have had this too, not everyone, with the Boeing effect, which your brain wakes up, so I don't know whether it broke up, you know, woke up from brain fog or it woke up from thyroid. I really don't know. I just know that I instantly felt clear and better. And I could do math like crazy, you know, better than the, the people in the store, you know, when they're adding 33 and 43 or something like that. I was able to come up with the answer. Like, like I, I was surprised because it, mm-hmm. I hadn't come up with an answer for anything in so many years. I just wait for this, somebody smarter to to figure it out. Yeah. So the, the, the main thing that I, was the, burst of mental clarity. And I noticed after, I guess it must have been a few days or a month that I wasn't taking any set, that I wasn't getting this daily headache three times a day. And that was sort of, that made me feel that, you know, there's really something to this. Yeah. I had spent thousands of the family's money, uh, thousands of dollars going to doctors trying to figure the headache thing out in clinics in Chicago and other places. Yeah. And they never figured it out.
0: So the brain started working again, like that neuro connection started to fire back up, maybe it had been dormant. And then the iodine came in like a light switch and said, let's go wake up everyone.
1: Well, you know, I originally I thought, Hey, gee, maybe this is my thyroid. Can iodine wake up the thyroid that fast? Yeah. And then, you know, I lived with this for a few years, and then I read a lot on the iodine in the brain because iodine deficiency is the leading cause of mental retardation in the world, according to every public health organization. Mm-hmm. And the more I read about that, and th- these are other stories that aren't, you know, widely publicized. Yeah. On how, how you know, there's there's certain places in the world where the iodine deficiency is so bad that people are very small and they have sort of stubby legs. And once they're given iodine, I'll send you a video on this. Once they're given iodine, the the children of the the small people grow up normally and the miscarriages go way down. The miscarriage rate with, with both animals and people just it, it's able the, the baby is the fetus is able to like stay in in the uterus It doesn't fall out like uh, like it did when it does when there's an iodine deficiency.
0: Yeah, so that's giving them iodine during pregnancy and post pregnancy to help. Yeah, well, they both. just
1: they just when they I think it's the Kennedy Foundation is one of the companies one of the organizations that does this, but there's others too. Mm-hmm. They go in and they just it's, I think it costs something like eight per person per year Whoa. to put, to put um, a potassium iodate in, in their irrigation system. And it's very low tech, but it, it really it, it's a huge advantage of this, even financially because the animals they raise don't die or they don't miscarry.
0: Yeah, yeah. So healthier animals too. So you mentioned that you started then taking 50 milligrams, which is Quite a high dose. Yeah, probably cause some practitioners to have stroke if they heard you say that because the general recommended daily allowance is a hundred or it's one hundred and fifty micrograms. But for some practitioners, that's even not just the recommended daily allowance. That's the maximum they will go, which is um not a lot at all compared to what you generally recommend and recommend in your book.
1: Well, the thing is, I started with 50 milligrams. That's only because that was the dosage you took with a test. Mm. Uh, after a, a, a while, a, a week or so, that was too much for me. Mm. And, and the thing is, because back then we didn't know to do salt loading using salt water to pull out the bromide that's displaced by taking the iodine. Yeah. So in my book, I, I, I—that's the you know—that's the upper range. If you don't get results, it's it, it, like. Fifteen, you know, you can go up as is as, as, as high as is that. I, and I feel, and the doctors feel safely. That's why they picked fifty milligrams as yeah. as as But on on the iodine workshop group, they'll they'll tell you. I mean, one of the biggest things that, that, that this is a Facebook group for your um, followers that, that may not know it. The yeah. iodine workshop group, you know, they, they've been doing this for I don't know ten years or more. And people will will write in and say, look, I couldn't take any more than 10 milligrams, but the breast pain has gone down. This has gone down. Uh, I, I think somebody posted yesterday that she had periods that were uh, very painful and heavy, and mm-hmm. and she finally she got results, and she says, you know exactly what she did to uh, to get that. But but people that are trying to work out or they're trying to Functioning, you know, can't have heavy periods uh, yeah. all, all the time. So this was like a, a life-changing cha- uh, effect for her. And with me being warm after, you know, my entire life being cold all the time and making everybody else in the house turn up the heat, or you know, I was sort of a pain in the neck. But if if I, I did only one thing and made me warm. It was worth it, worth taking it, because I, I was obviously hypothyroid, but nobody was paying attention to that.
0: Did you see, because increasing your core temperature would obviously indicate then an increase in your metabolism. Did you see an improvement in any of your other thyroid symptoms, like your skin and stuff?
1: Yes, uh, both I and my sister found out that, yeah, uh, you know, I was always putting hand lotion on and slathering myself. But after a while, taking the iodine, I couldn't understand why people used hand lotion because they just, my hands just got, I guess, normal. Yeah. I don't know whether that's normal or not, but for me to not feel that flakiness, uh, even when my sister started taking it, her daughters, she has three daughters, said, Mom, your skin isn't flaky anymore. It's not dry. You can eat the skin on her arm even, which looked like, rice paper practically because it was so dry. Yeah. It just, it just got better.
0: And you think that's not only the influence of the thyroid hormones, but also optimizing the other pathways as well?
1: I don't know, to, to tell the truth, uh, I I really don't know. I just know that when people take iodine, oh. uh, the dry skin and, and they say hypothyroidism is like you, your metabolism it gets low and more efficient like a snake yeah. as is a cold-blooded body a yeah. cold-blooded animal and it has that same papery skin and and, and so as as the animals get you know more uh, progressed up the food chain they're more likely to have you know uh, more moist skins
0: yeah i would wonder as well because Thyroid hormone has a huge influence on cholesterol, and cholesterol, of course, being a fatty acid, um, is needed for membranes, including skin membranes, so there could be, like, some driving factor there as well.
1: Yeah, most likely it it is. I remember before they had thyroid hormone tests, the marker for cholesterol, uh, Mm. marker for hypothyroidism was high cholesterol. Yeah. And so they, you know, if somebody had that, they'd say, okay, oh, let's, let's uh, look at his thyroid.
0: Yeah. And when most people think of cholesterol, they're immediately thinking cardiovascular health, but all of your cells are made up of cholesterol, including your skin and your hair follicles and all. So if that slows down, those kind of externals are going to suffer.
1: That's a good point.
0: Yes. Oh, see, <laughs> you learned something from me too. I did. I
1: learned something from you, right? <laughs>
0: so, well, the in your book, you recommend starting at a base level of twelve point five milligrams, uh, and that's in the tablet form, though. Just to clarify, because I personally use galls and have, and I feel like like awesome when I use Lugol's. A lot of my clients will use Lugol's. And I'd mentioned to you that we're here in Canada for us to get our hands on the Loridol here in Canada is quite expensive as well, definitely compared to Lugol's. So if someone was using Lugol's, what kind of dosage would they be looking at?
1: Well, there should be a chart. Uh, There's a chart in the book uh, Mm -hmm. that has how much much iodine is in in the 2%. Lugols or the five percent are even higher. Yeah. And And just look at that, and you'll learn like if you take two drops, you know how many milligrams that is. So it, it, I think it's easier to to adjust the lugols actually uh, more than than it is you know, to craft open those tablets or to swallow the the, the lower lower yeah. uh, m- milligram ones.
0: I really like the Lugol's because of the topical application that can be done. So uh, without doubt, I'm always walking around with, quote, bruises on my arms. And people will stop me in the gym and they'll say, is that iodine on your arms? And I'm like, yeah, it is. Oh, really? Um, but I that's my preferred way is to draw on the inside of both of my forearms where the skin is thinner. I will... Put some Lugols on both arms and I have really I track I do a lot of tracking of my own um numbers and with my whoop what I noticed was I've been using Lugols for quite some time and I felt good and my hypothyroidism I don't have a problem per se with it like I'll get cold sometimes or whatever if I or something But then once I increased the amount of iodine I was using, I noticed my metabolic expenditure on my whoop, it increased by 500 calories. And I was like, well, hold on a second now, could it be making that much of an influence on my metabolism and my hair is growing great? Like I did personally notice a difference increasing the amount that I was putting on.
1: It, it, it can, if that's your area of deficiency, it, it can do that. It's very hard to tell. Sometimes people, uh, you know, their hair will start growing differently or it'll get curly for example, Some people's hair gets curly, curlier anyway. Yeah. Uh, it's very hard to to know if you've lived your whole life with straight hair. And and after a few months, you see, gee, I didn't usually have that cowlick there. And you find out that your hair is just getting a little curlier.
0: Yeah well I have Irish hair so my hair is just crazy at the best of times but uh, I've definitely always had my cows lick and I don't want it going away so I'll be using the iodine for a while. So with the dosing is that the same for pregnancy and for breastfeeding and for children or should we be looking at lowering the dose for them?
1: Um people have used that and more you know up, upwards of 50 but the recommendation is if Dr. Fleshes has figured out hes one of the three iodine doctors what he thought was acceptable and could be defended in court for example mm-hmm. if, if, so the doctor doesn't have to feel bad it's yeah. no more than 25 milligrams um or, you know or, or you could even go less than that but that's for, for for pregnant or nursing women
0: mm. and there is some bowel tolerance as well though right that can kind of indicate to you uh maybe you've taken too much
1: um unless the iodine is killing off parasites or bacteria it shouldn't mm. be bothering your bowel
0: okay well that's good to know because a lot of people i can only speak for canada but because they're so much camping goes on in Canada. There's a lot of um parasite exposure here. Uh-huh. So an- another thing with the Lugols, which is another reason why I like Lugols so much, is because we have the two different forms of iodine in there. We've got the elemental and the potassium iodide. And I I if I can get elemental any sort of minerals, I'll always go for that first with, Partially yeah. why I really like mineral water because it's elemental as well. But can you speak a little bit on why having the two options of iodine is important because they influence different parts of the body?
1: Okay, I want to answer. I want to uh, change what I said just before this about pregnancy and nursing. I would yeah. probably suggest twelve point five milligrams for to be absolutely careful, even though people use much more than that.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, I mean, I think that's what—that's uh, probably the safest way. Not that it's not safe, but you yeah. know, to protect you, yourself, and, and the baby will absolutely suck that right up because it will buy when when you're pregnant or nursing, the body changes its iodine absorption capacity, and it goes directly to the baby. I mean, yeah, the, we... the mother will get some, but the baby will get uh, the lion's share, as they say.
0: That would make you think then that you might need a little bit more so that both parties are getting a sufficient amount.
1: Yes, you would think. Well, you know, some people don't pay attention to that. And uh, I, I, my niece they, it took much more, she had three children and the first one didn't have any iodine. And then the second two did. And she found that after the second one, she really felt she needed more and, and took more with, with the third.
0: Yeah and, the, yeah.
1: and they're, you know, the real smart kids.
0: Yeah. She noticed the difference between like the pregnancies, like maybe one child catches on faster than the other child kind of thing. Well,
1: that has happened. That, 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 that's a problem with the The iodine child isn't, doesn't have to really be taught anything. Uh, they, I mean, on the iodine workshop group, they have uh, people writing in about it's, hashtag iodine babies and people will send the pictures of their babies like doing algebra or something or just things that are playing chess teaching the other kids chess and like it's three years old or something so it it really is a startling thing to
0: to see a baby that's been
1: exposed to iodine
0: yeah maybe I need to up my dose because I am not good at chess so I think Um, but back to the different forms of iodine how do they influence our body
1: well, the um, there's, one form has an affinity for certain places in the body, and the other form has an affinity for others. For example, iodine, or the potassium iodine, has a, a more of an affinity for the breast. That's the elemental iodine. The thyroid is much less fussy and will take iodine, and, and sometimes it changes back and forth within the body. So I saw a little talk by Dr. Abraham on this. Mm-hmm. It will go back and forth, but over the years... I mean, there's been 80. there were conventions in, in England, you know, these huge in the crystal palace and all these demonstrated, all these medical products would come to be shown. And, there was, and one, I think I wrote about this in the book, there was 80 different forms of iodine, oh. but over the you know, sodium, silver iodine, all different kinds, but just by trial and error, the doctors have found that Lugol's is the most reliable. Mm. And Dr. Lugol's, you know, has published, he, he's French, uh, he was, he published this stuff in French, and I, I've, I've tried to read it, can even read it in, in French, because it, most of the words are medical, so you don't have to, all you just need is a few verbs to, uh, to read what he was saying about the lungs in particular, because at the time he was alive, respiratory diseases were just like 50% of the people in the UK had uh, various forms of respiratory. Mm. and He would give them Lugol and, and it would just kill it off.
0: Yeah, cause the antibacterial aspects.
1: Yes. And they inhaled it, you know, there's all sorts of things. He, even the, the, the British Navy had, I, I have these in my collection. It's like you wear a chain around your head, That it's a locket mm. and it, it, you put Lugol's on it and then it waps up. So they would send school children to, you know, to school with these lockets so they could just evaporate, the evaporating iodine would just go into their lungs all day long.
0: So not like a nebulizer, but like a locket that maybe had some fabric dosed in Lugol's and they yeah. would just open it and inhale it?
1: Yes. It was, oh. it was like, it kind of felt like, you know, like, you know, you know the fabric felt
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Okay. It was something like that, that would be absorbent. And so during the day they would just inhale it.
0: That is fascinating and and still a useful tool for our environment. So that's why as well that um, potassium iodide is generally recommended if women have cysts in their breasts or sore breasts around PMS, that you can smear some on or apply some topically, and it can really help a lot with that pain there.
1: Yes, I mean um, even after the the hurricane in in, in the U.S. Uh, Katrina, mm-hmm. the people that were taking iodine were displaced from their houses. Some of them and they were going around together, and they went into and the breast you know started hurting. So they went into a drugstore and just got like the iodine for cuts and bruises, and even that helped the breast
0: yeah yeah and um with the the whole notion of the cysts is that just going to be breasts or have we seen it help in other areas like around the uterus and stuff
1: yes it it has not not as as spontaneously miraculous as the breast
0: but Mm -hmm. i even had
1: a cyst on my waist and which I wasn't paying any attention to, as a dermoid cyst or something like that, and I just noticed it was gone because I wasn't expecting it to affect that kind of thing.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: And so I, didn't apply it... It. I didn't apply iodine to it, which some people, you know, if they have different cysts and irregularities, do it. It just yeah. was, the iodine I was taking by mouth got into the into my body and got to the cyst.
0: Yeah. I have um, a tiny cyst under my skin here. So when I'm painting my iodine on, I'll always put some extra over it. And Uh I definitely feel there has been a reduction, but I think I might try increase the dose and see if it kind of speeds up. But I, (laughs) where I'm pointing here, and you could probably still see the yellow mark from this morning's iodine. Uh Um, But I might increase the dose because I had put just to show you see the iodine there yes so I have it on both (laughs) but um so I put that on this morning at about 7 a.m and now we're coming up to 2 p.m and it's almost completely gone which tells me that my body is soaking it in and I potentially need more and we're having a heat wave here as well so I've been sweating a lot too so my body probably is needing a bit more and that is quite a lot considering I only put it on a few hours ago.
1: Yes, your skin, you know, one of the things that we don't understand yet is sometimes your skin might need more than say your ovaries you know, or, or something else or, or your eyes. And there's another, there's a whole thing about eye in, in the eyes and, and the ears, uh, mm. going back years and years. Um, so we never know exactly where, it's it, I mean, we can tell by x-ray where you know, because you give somebody intravenous iodine, like women, for example, and, and then take uh, radiation pictures, X-ray type pictures that measure the radiated iodine, and you can see that it immediately goes to the stomach, the mouth, the breast and the uterus and the ovaries. So you
0: so can kind actually... of Sorry. So kind of like a triage effect.
1: Yes. Oh. But but okay, okay it will surprise us and, and, and we'll go to the skin some people may need more in the skin we don't know
0: yeah it could be like different constitutions like yeah I speak to my clients that we will always have weaker aspects in our body as individuals and um, I've had always issues and you'll find this interesting I think because you just mentioned the eyes there I've always had poor circulation and upon reflection now um, I'm Obviously, I can connect it to the slower thyroid. And then because my circulation is slower, my detoxification pathways were slower. And I'm a certified iridologist, so I look at the irises a lot, and I was... I have blue eyes, you can't see, but they used to be tinged with orange and brown right in the iris. And I knew like my body is toxic. I need to sort this out. I I used to be 280 pounds. So that also was playing a factor on the slower thyroid and circulation too. Mm-hmm. And over the last couple of months, the orange and the brown completely gone from my irises, like completely gone. And I do think the iodine helped with that because it's speeding up everything my detoxification, my circulation, and helping my body flush, basically. And anytime in Alberta here, we've had wildfires. So we get a lot of smoke in the air, like a lot. And even then, I kind of intuitively know to increase my iodine to kind of displace any of the chemicals coming in, but I'll always get rashes on the top of my eyelids. So my skin is, I think, because my circulation is slower, my skin's trying to compensate and detox through my skin. So I get these rashes.
1: So it, it, it will even put a rash on your eyelid. Are you saying that it might be excreting
0: toxins through your eyelids? Yeah, I think my body is trying to use my skin to get out, mm-hmm. um, trying to push the toxins out. And for me, it comes out in my skin. For other people, they might have mucus or they might get urinary tract infections or something. But for me, it's my skin. So it was always almost intuitive for me to start spreading the galls on my skin.
1: Ah, that's yeah, good but- you connected the dots.
0: Yeah, but my iris is completely cleared up because when you do our iridology training, you you understand that when you see these different colors in the iris, it can show different aspects of toxicity in the body. And I have very fair blue eyes, and now they're completely clear. There's no orange or brown in them at all. It's too so. bad you don't. Do you have a picture of your, your before and after eyes? I might. I might be able to have one and uh, email it on to you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would be fascinating because as I say to my clients all the time, like we're look, we're obviously trying to teach people about iodine now and all these different th- things or tools that can potentially help us. But the body is one system and everything connects. And if you look closely, your body's going to tell you, like, this is wrong or keep doing this or something.
1: Yes, well, you, you made the connection. Well, you're in the business. So, and you're aware of this kind of information but somebody else might not even have noticed like for another five years that their yeah. eye what had cha- the color changed
0: yeah it's all about connecting the dots yes yeah. so i've just got a few more questions before we wrap up of course i'm watching the time but um how does taking iodine influence someone because i i did a thyroid masterclass last night, and I know this is going to come up when people listen to this, if someone has got a hypothyroidism diagnosis, and they're taking some sort of um, hormone treatment, some sort of Synthroid or something, can they still use iodine, or is that going to be a problem?
1: No, that's fine. Um, first of all, they have to know to take selenium, and pre- preferably the other companion nutrients, but absolutely yeah. selenium. But they might may find in a few months that they're feeling a little speedy, and so they just withdraw. Or even like even if they don't, trial and error. Yeah. You know, don't take it one day and see how you feel, and then don't take it two days and see how you feel. That kind of thing. I mean, what? But I mean, don't take it. I mean, if you if you want to uh, wean yeah. yourself off the synthroid or whatever you're taking.
0: So you. If you are taking too much, what might you experience? Some sort of um, speeding up, like you mentioned, some anxiety, some increased heart rate, something like that?
1: The, all, the, the only thing I understand after all these years, if you're, if, you're speed, if, your heart, if you're not taking thyroid medicine, for example, if you're not taking Synthroid or one of the um, natural products, um, and you take iodine and you feel speedy, bromide will detox, get detoxed, and by body diagnoses bromide as a poison. And so an alarm gets up, it's like an adrenaline response is elicited by the bromide getting into the bloodstream. Now, if you use the salt water, that mm-hmm. should pull the bromide out of the bloodstream that it's been forced into by the iodine. The iodine is just trying to get rid of it. Yeah that can cause a speeding and then the thing you do is other than the salt water is just cut back and like start lower because mm-hmm. you don't want to have the, the adrenaline response. Uh, the only other thing that can be is if you're taking too, too much thyroid medicine now that you're here because if a normal person takes thyroid medicine they usually feel a little speedy mm. or they may feel a little speedy they may be speedy, not even know it, notice it but Or the doctor may may notice that you don't need to take it anymore, that kind of thing. Now, what Dr. uh, Brownstein does with his patients, if they come in off the street and they're not taking any thyroid medicine and they're hypothyroid, he doesn't put them on hypothyroid medicine. He he starts with them with iodine in hopes that he can get them uh, up without any medication. And for the patients that are already taking, that go to come to him and they're already taking um, thyroid hormones, he's found that a third of them can get off the medicine completely. A third of them can reduce the medicine, the thyroid medicine, and a third have no change in their, in their thyroid hormone needs at all. And he's found that consistently over the years.
0: So those getting off the thyroid medicine, and then those that he doesn't start on thyroid medicine, he's also using the companion supplements to help the body utilize the iodine better.
1: I, I don't think he uses the B two and, and B three like we do uh, as much, uh, but we found that there's some people that have sometimes congenital problems absorbing the iodine. And Dr. Flesh and Dr. Abraham, you know, the other two, two iodine doctors have found that if you your simporters, that's the absorbing tissue for, for uh, iodine, if those aren't functioning, if they are atrophied, then they're, they're not functioning because the body hasn't had enough iodine in its, in its diet. So there's been no use for them for, to have even have absorbing tissues. Yeah. the B3, well, bring the, uh, the, the iodine simporters back on board so it can absorb the iodine. So that's what we, there's two ways of doing it. You can start with it, with the B2 and B3, or you can add it in six months. Now, I like to see, have people start on it and not need it or, and not wait the six months to get in effect. Like, you understand what I'm saying about, I'd rather start somebody and have results fast yeah. And have them like say, "Oh, go. Let's try this for six six months uh, without taking it. And if nothing happens, you've wasted six months of your life. At least if you've tried the B two and B three, you've mm-hmm. you you've given it the best try you can."
0: Yeah, and you recommend selenium and magnesium as well, which most people, if they have thyroid issues, they should be taking those in anyway. Yes. Yeah. So who? One of my last questions, I swear, who should not take iodine though? Because there's always the anomalies that don't do well.
1: Yes, there's one classification and only one that mm-hmm. we've been aware of for years. And that's if you have a hot nodule, and that's a thyroid nodule that's it's called an autonomous nodule that can make its own thyroid. It's a, a nodule, but it makes its own thyroid hormone. So essentially, you're growing another thyroid when you have this thing. And what people generally do, you can be iodine deficient and have this, they get it surgically removed. It's a fairly simple operation. And then you're able to take iodine, but do not take it, uh, you know, if you have a, an autonomous nodule or a hot nodule.
0: And this is not just so people are aware, this is not like the normal thyroid nodules. No. That we would see your doctor should be able to see this. Um type and should let you know immediately if you do
1: Yeah, most people are aware of it. Their Doctors have told them somewhere along the line. Also, it's very rare. Mm.
0: Yeah, because I know last night, like I mentioned, I did a thyroid class and some people had commented that they had thyroid nodules. So I know they're gonna listen to this and be like, oh, well now I can't take thyroid, but you just, you don't have this hot nodule. You have the kind of generic nodules.
1: Yes, the generic nodules are so common that they're really considered among endocrinologists, a variation of normal. That's how, how deficient we are in iodine.
0: Yeah, well, they, we have covered quite a lot in such a short amount of time, which is amazing. So is there anything else you would like to add on, Lynn, that you think people should know about iodine that maybe I didn't ask?
1: Like you ask wonderful questions. This has been one of the best interviews I've ever had because you're right on top of all this stuff. I don't have to, that, see that makes me wonder, did we leave out anything? That uh, was the the, the the really extreme Laban uh, questions. I don't know, we'll find it, out.
0: I tried to ask in a way that I understand, but there was one thing I did leave out when you were talking about pregnancy and using iodine in pregnancy, um, somehow in conversation this came up with my clients the other day and we were speaking about Guinness and someone said they tried Guinness and it tasted crap basically and someone else said well I heard when women are pregnant in Ireland they're given Guinness during pregnancy why is that because of course I'm Irish and I was like well, yeah, we don't do it now. Firstly, we don't. It was like back in the early centuries, women were recommended to drink Guinness during pregnancy because it would help with growth. We have a saying that Guinness helps put hair on your chest, so it helps you grow. But um, it was it was some it was known that Guinness was high in iron and copper and calcium and folate and even some iodine and that would help with the pregnancy and help the baby grow as well so when you were saying that about um, the iodine during pregnancy that antidote came back to me the other day we like the ancient times there is a lot of hidden um, gems there when we really look at what our ancestors said and did yes a lot of this is passed
1: along and and the reason I devoted some in my book to where iodine came from and how long it's been used and that it's not a new a hot new thing it's not controversial it's an ancient treatment Mm. you know in many cultures and in the western cultures certainly so it's not it's the oldest traditional medicine
0: yeah yeah so I really encourage people to get your book. You can get it on Amazon here in Canada. You can also get it on Audible. Um, Where else can people find out more about iodine and even what you're doing right now, Lynn?
1: Well, the main place I would, if if you're going to anticipate taking iodine, I would go on Facebook and check out the iodine workshop group. I I mean, that's where you can jump in and ask your questions and uh, and you and you, or you might ask like, did this happen to you? Did this happen to you? That kind of thing. So people exchange information that you you couldn't write a hundred books that cover as much as, as these uh, these groups eventually do.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But and the book re- is available all over, you know, yeah. on, on a, pretty much every platform you could want well, to. Amazon is the easiest for most people.
0: Yeah, I really like your iodineresearch.com dot com website because it doesn't have all the fluff of other websites. It's very basic and straight to the point. So you just click on what am I looking for? And it just gives you the answers. I don't like all the fuzziness of other websites. So yours is very much like an online library in that aspect. You just click on iodine and pregnancy. Actually, I was looking at iodine for Sjogren's a while ago for one of Mm -hmm. my clients and it was right there. And I was like, thank you. I don't need to go searching for stuff. I just want it right there. And that website does that. So it's great. I'm glad. Thank you for for saying that. And then we also have your breast cancer choices. And then you have lynnfarrow.net as well. So you're kind of everywhere.
1: I try to be, but Mm -hmm. I'm selective.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, as long as you're not everywhere in your slippers and with a hanger, then it'll be okay. I should have an illustration of that. You should. I wonder if we could, or you or I, maybe one of my clients is a cartoonist or something and you could get something drawn up.
1: Yes, that would Uh, be fun.
0: Well, thank you for your time, Lynn. I really appreciate it. Like I said, I really feel honored that I am one of the people you said yes to um, for talking to. So thank you so much. I really, really appreciate this.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: And if you, if you get a chance, I might remind you, maybe send me, you said there was a video about the iodine being put in, used in these countries to help with growth. You might forward that on to me. Oh, yes. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much again. It's been a pleasure. We definitely covered a lot. So thank you so much. Thank
1: you.